0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're so glad to have you with us again here today in the House of Faith. We're gonna continue on in the series we began a number of weeks ago on the broadcast entitled The Simplicity of Faith. We're talking all about how simple faith is, and I know we tend to make things complicated. Sometimes we make them complex, but I'm so thankful that God made this thing called faith Simple. Now, I know it's not always easy, but it is simple. We talked all about how faith simply talks, faith has something to say. And now we're talking about how faith. Walks. So if you've missed any of the broadcasts leading up to this, we encourage you to get a hold of them, get caught up with us. If you'd like to hear today's message in its entirety, it's available to you on the Pearson's Ministries podcast. So right now, let's go back into the Washington, D.C. Gospel Truth Seminar hosted by Brother Andrew Walmack and his ministries, where they invited us to come be a part of it. And I want to share this with you today. The simplicity of faith, faith walks. Folks, if if there is something that you still have to do first before you're ready to commit to walking by faith and following Jesus, then you're not ready. And it gets serious. He said, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first. There it is again. Me first, me first. If you know anything at all about Jesus about this word, then you know, it is not me first. It is kingdom first. He said, let me first. Now notice where he's wanting to go. Go and bid them farewell who are where? At my house. I want you to notice that both of these guys, where are they being pulled back to? Home. That place of provision That place of security, that place of identity, and that place of so-called or seeming comfort. Both of them. I want to go home to my dad. Let me first go bid them farewell. And Jesus said in verse 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That word fit means useful. In other words, Jesus is saying to these guys, I love you. I've called you, but I can't use you. Not in this shape that you're in. Not as long as you're trying to go back home. Not as long as you're trying to go back instead of going forward in faith. Are these guys loved? Sure, they're loved. They got human blood running through their veins. You know, they're loved. Are they called? Is there a call of God on their lives? Yeah, it just came out of Jesus' mouth. Follow me, walk with me. And they said, okay, wait, wait, wait. Sure, I'll do that, but let me first go home. And Jesus said, if you put your hand to this plow and you start looking back at home, I've loved you, I've called you, but I cannot use you. Now, why would anybody put their hand to the plow and start looking back? Because plowing's hard. It's rough and it's dirty. And you, look, you stand back and look at a field and you think, man, I'm going to plant some seeds out there. I'm going to have a, a huge harvest. I'm going to be rich. But you forget that plowing is just as much a part of the planting and harvesting process as sowing the seed is. The ground has to be plowed. And Jesus said, when you start that and you get to looking back, I can't use you. What I'm trying to get you to see is that there is a pull that, that comes from this place called home. This, this pull back to what's comfortable, this pull back to where you were secure, this pull back to where provision was, was not a, a risk. There was a man in the book of Mark chapter 10 You can look there with me. I won't take time to read the whole thing. I've kept you a while tonight, but this is significant. In Mark chapter 10, there was a man that uh, came to Jesus in verse 17. It says, now he was, as he was going out on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life. You put this together with some of the other accounts and this guy came running to Jesus. Get the picture here. Jesus is walking in this direction. He's headed out of town. He's on the road. This guy comes running, chases him down. Can you get the sense of urgency this almost emergency that this guy has? He is running to Jesus, just almost slides in on his knees at the feet of Jesus. And other, other accounts of this say that he said, good teacher, what good thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked back at him and his response puzzled me for a long time. Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. And I didn't understand that for a long time, but I see it more clearly. Now, this guy came to Jesus, called him good teacher And then turned right around and said, what good thing do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What he did that was wrong, he came to the right place and he's got the right question. He's in search of eternal life and he came to the right place to find it. But what he did that was wrong was he put the goodness of Jesus teaching on the same level as the goodness of him doing something to get something from him. And that's why Jesus had to turn around and say, why are you calling me good? We need to address your concept of what's actually good. And there's a flaw in his question. Do you see it? What do I have to do to inherit? That's a strange question, isn't it? Let me ask a quick question. Does anybody in here have a rich grandpa? Just raise your hand if you do. Anybody have a rich grandpa? I'll tell you what, man, if you don't have one, you got to get one. They are awesome. They are amazing. I got me one and it's one of the best things I've ever had. I got one that has been such a blessing to me and to my wife and to my kids, our entire family. I'm telling you, if you don't, if you don't have one, you got to find one because they are amazing. I got a rich one and I'm, I'm believing with him and standing on the word with him, a good man. Leaves an inheritance to his children's children. <laughs> Believe you me, I am living right now with a healthy revelation of inheritance. <laughs> Excited about inheritance, and my my grandfather, my grandmother have actually already started. They ain't waiting, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but what is inheritance? It's something that belongs to you that somebody else worked for. You didn't work for it. So now you can see the flaw in his question. What good thing do I have to do to inherit? I wonder if that's kind of a window into the relationship he had with his own father. Because we know from other places in scripture, this guy's a rich guy. He's a young guy. How does a young person come across money like that? at that time in life, that young inheritance. And I don't know if maybe his relationship with his father was you better do this if you want any of what I've got. That was his concept of inheritance. What good thing do I have to do? And even though he's got some stuff, he's got some money, he's got some things, still there's this eternal life shaped hole on the inside. And he's come to the right place to find it. What do I have to do to inherit? And Jesus said, what's your concept of good? inheritance isn't about what you work for. That's why this inheritance is such a good picture of what we have in Jesus. It's what belongs to us that he worked for. Amen. Salvation is our inheritance. It belongs to us because you worked for it. No, because he did. But because this guy came to him based on his works, Jesus responded to him and said, you know, the law, He said, he he listed several of the commandments for him. And this guy said back to him, I've done all of this from my youth. Jesus, verse 21, looking at him, loved him. I love that. So whatever's about to come out of Jesus' mouth is out of love. He said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and, and what? Take the road that I'm taking. Walk with me. He's saying, walk with me. In verse 22, though, it says he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Get the picture of what happened. Jesus is on the road. He's headed this way. This guy comes running, meets him on the road. They have this conversation. Jesus looks at him. He loves him. And here comes this two word invitation out of the mouth of Jesus, "Follow." me. And this guy heard it and he got sad. And what did he do? Walked, not with him, away. Walked away. I wish for his sake that he had hung around for like five minutes. You want to know what he would have found out? This whole thing, so captured the attention of the disciples. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at these words. And Jesus answered and said to them, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches. See, this goes back to this guy's misconception of what's actually good. He put the goodness of following Jesus on the same level as the goodness of having some stuff. And that misconception caused him to walk away sad. And Jesus said, how hard it is to get those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to, uh, to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished saying among themselves, who then can be saved. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it's impossible, but not with God for with God, all things are possible. You want to know what Jesus was referring to when he said all things were possible? He was saying, you can be rich and saved. When he was talking about all things being possible, he was talking about you being saved, trusting God and being a rich person. Somebody say it's possible. It's possible. Now notice what Peter said in verse 28. He said to him, see, we have left all and followed you. See, Peter was confused by this whole thing. He watched this whole thing go down. And I guarantee you, he, he saw that young guy come running. He recognized that same hunger. He recognized that same urgency, that desperation, if you will. And Peter's go, man, he's come to the right place. And he watched the whole thing go down. He watched Jesus love on him. He watched Jesus give to that young man the same invitation that Jesus had given to Peter and to the other disciples. Same invitation. What was it? Follow me. Walk. Just just walk this way. Faith talks and faith. And I guarantee you Peter's going, thinking to himself, we got a new one. We got a new member of the crew. And I guarantee you he was shocked to see this young guy walk away. And Peter said, man, we left all and followed you. You go back to when Jesus met Peter. He said that those same words, follow me. To the other disciples, follow me. You know what the Bible says they did? They left their father in the boat. What are they doing? Leaving home. Leaving home. Leaving their father Not only did they leave their father, it says they left their nets. These guys are fishermen, not as a hobby, as a way of life, as a way of income. Can you imagine if Jesus had said, follow me? And they said, uh, okay. And Jesus turns around and these guys are pulling nets behind him as they walk with him. He said, guys, what's with the nets? Well, you know, in case this whole fisher of men thing doesn't work out, (laughs) we've got this to fall back on. And that's what a net is. If you've ever been to a circus or something like that, and you see those people, those guys who walk all the way up four stories onto that tightrope in their tight pants, and they're walking across. And oh, it's scary, right? I mean, they're so high up, and it's so dangerous, and it's so hard until you look down below them, and oh, look, there's a net. So really how much risk is involved in this? He falls. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? He's going to get a runner in his tights. He's going to stand up. He's going (laughs) to say, you know, thank you. We'll try again. No, no risk at all. It gets really interesting though, when you take the net away. Now, all of a sudden there's risk involved. That's why it's, it's a lot more engaging when you see some of these guys who stretch out a cable across the Grand Canyon and get out there without a net or between two skyscrapers, downtown Chicago, no net. These guys left the net. What does that net represent? What does home represent? Something to fall back on. That place of provision, that place of security, that place of identity. And Jesus is saying, let me be your net. I want to be the net. Launch out into the deep. I want to be the net. And guess what? You are going to fall. But I'm going to be the one that catches you. It's not going to be your bank account that catches you. It's not going to be your investments that catch you. It's not going to be your own family. Let me be the one to catch you and to pick you back up and to prop you up and to hold you up and to keep you walking one step at a time. And Peter said, man, we've left everything. We left all and followed you. And this is where we'll end tonight. Somebody say, thank God. (laughs) Jesus in verse 29 answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. Check this out. For my sake and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold, a hundredfold, a hundredfold. When do you get that? Now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. If this dude had hung around for five minutes, he would have found out that leaving something is not losing something. Leaving something for Jesus' sake in the Gospels is not losing it, it's sowing it. And we talk a lot about the hundredfold return and so in this offering and you can have a hundredfold return. I'm not saying I understand everything there is to know about the hundredfold. But I will tell you this, according to Jesus, it belongs to a select group of people. Those who are willing to walk away from anyone or anything for his sake in the gospels. That's who the hundredfold belongs to. I'm telling you, Sarah and I are, are, are living proof of this. When we were serving on staff there at my grandparents' ministry, I honestly just thought that's where I'm going to be. I'll just be here for life. I mean, when Papa's the man, there's a certain level of job security that you enjoy. (laughs) But the night before Thanksgiving 2009, the Lord starts talking to Sarah and to me as we laid in bed. That was 10 years ago this year. And we started dreaming out loud about having our own ministry, having our own church, having our own people. And for some reason, we started talking out loud about living in Colorado, up in the mountains. Lord, would you do that for us? Would you do that for us? And we started praying about it. And months and months later, we went and met with my grandparents, had them pray over it with us. What are we doing? Taking steps. Just a step. We said, This is what the Lord's telling us. We submit it to you. Pray over it with us. They said, This seems good. It seems like God. They prayed over us. Months after that, we stepped out into our own ministry. And our first day in our own ministry, we were driving I 70 through the mountains of Colorado looking. Where's our place? Where's our place? Where is it? It's got to be here somewhere. It's got to be here somewhere that was so real in the inside of us and for years we were back and forth, Texas to Colorado, Texas to Colorado, looking. It's got to be here somewhere. It's got to be here somewhere. It was a dream that was on the inside of us and our, our, in the meantime, uh, right as we stepped into our own ministry, our, our little boy Justice, he was three months old. So that's what you do, right? Have a baby, quit your job. But what were we doing? I was getting out of my father's house. Not because there was something wrong with my father's house. It's a great house. But what was the Lord saying? I want to be your place of security. I want to be your place of provision. I want to be your place of identity. People used to ask me now, what's your last name? Pearsons. How are you related to the Copelands? Oh, that's my grandfather. And I would tell them, Copeland's my maiden name. And the number of people that would look back at me and be like, oh, okay. And I, I I will tell you, and I will be honest with you, and I I have no confusion in me about it whatsoever. That name has done wonderful things for me in my life. It's put me in places that I don't believe I'd be in otherwise. But all the more reason to take that step. Because I don't care if Oprah is your aunt or the Queen of England is your grandma, there is nothing that they can do for you like what your heavenly father can do for you. The name Copeland and compared to the identity that I have in the Lord Jesus, it far outweighs it. So what's he saying? Come on, take a step, take a step. And we thought any day now we'll be in Colorado. And you know what? We were right, except that it was 10 years later. So like 3000 and something days. (laughs) But what were we doing along that, that whole time step? Yeah. But then what? Another step. Okay. I get it. But then what? This is where it gets tricky. Another step. (laughs) 10 years of just walking just one step after another. And today we are living in our dream, what the Lord's doing. It's beyond all that we could ask or think. He's put us in a beautiful place around beautiful people, And people are coming from other places to be a part of it. He's doing it. How did we get there? Stepping. Because faith talks and faith walks. One step at a time. How in the world are you going to get from where you are to where God's called you to be? Walking. Step at a time. Now you may be saying, look, I'm old. I'm, I'm. I'm not in my father's house anymore. Well, first of all, Abraham was 75. It's not too old to get started in something new. Second of all, secondly, Jesus will help you identify what you have more faith in than him. He'll help you find it. If you ask him, open my eyes, show me what I'm trusting more than I'm trusting you. Show me what I've been using as a net. He'll show you. And then he'll show you by asking you, leave it for my sake and the gospel's. And I'm living proof that the hundredfold return is on the other side. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television Broadcast, the Legacy Letter Magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.